listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thank you for joining me on the show. I like to think of this show as a journey. Look at all the episodes that we've had on all different topics related to sales, client development, business development, getting more business, earning trust. But you know, one thing I've heard a lot of people talk about is that they just don't feel like they're comfortable being there. They feel like they are an imposter. What if they only knew? What if they found out? Why are they going to work with me if they ever found out this and that? And I've seen it's a common thing within professional services. And we're going to talk about that today. I hope that you get some solutions from our guest today. Her name is Maureen Zapala. She's a former NASA propulsion engineer. Yes, she is a rocket scientist. And she shares her story of going through this in her job. And now she speaks professionally and has written books on the topic to help people overcome that imposter syndrome. I hope that you get some great ideas from this show. Make sure you connect with Maureen on the links that we give in the show notes. And as always, if you can leave a nice five-star review, I'd really appreciate that. That certainly helps the show get more visibility. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, legal intelligence suite of products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now here's my conversation with Maureen Zappola. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. Our special guest is Maureen Zappola. And our topic title today is Confidence is Not Rocket Science, How to Overcome Imposter Syndrome Once and for All. Maureen, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Scott. I'm happy Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it. A lot of people I've met in professional services, those people that are having to work as a rainmaker have confessed to me sometimes that they just feel like they're a pretender. They're an interloper. They don't really belong there. And so it's that imposter syndrome. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit about that. And the first question I have for you is, why do you think people feel this way? You know, imposter syndrome is this irrational, it's irrational, but it is a real self-doubt where really smart people don't believe they're that smart. They think that they're not as good as everybody thinks they are. And, oh my gosh, how did I get this job, position, yeah, promotion, yeah, right. title, whatever. It tends to scream the loudest in times of change and transition. And it also has a source in many things. Sometimes it's from our childhood. Sometimes it's from our cultural background. And sometimes it's from the corporate environment that we are in or heading into. So there's so many layers to it, but it comes down to a feeling of a disbelief. I don't believe the data that says that I'm smart. I see. So here we go down the rabbit hole of talking about our childhood and all the other things associated with that. And one of my friends says, um, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. So this disbelief, do you think, is it more common between men and women, do you think gender issues play into that at all? I mean, I even hate to ask that question, but what, what no, do you think it's, about it's, that? It's a legitimate question because, uh, you know, originally when it was identified, it was back in the 70s. It was pretty much isolated to women because as a gender, and I, you know, I don't like to generalize, but I will here in right, the specific, right. women just tend to verbalize and express and emote more. And so it was easier to see it. But over the decades, Yeah, we've learned that men experience it just as much, 
they process it differently. Yeah. Okay. Women, okay. women yeah. will emote and verbalize. Men will shrink back and kind of, I hate to say bloviate <laughs> to cover it up, but that is sometimes what happens. Right. I see. Okay. So you mentioned this was identified back in the 70s. So this is actually a legitimate thing. It's not something that's just made up. Is that right? True. Uh, the word syndrome is kind of a misleading uh, name, imposter syndrome. Syndrome is a medical, you know, a psychological term and it's medically diagnosed. Imposter syndrome is not. I like to use imposter experience, but okay. it's been identified. It's been around for decades. It only really hit mainstream probably within the last 10 to 15 years. Okay, good, good. So what, I mean, not good that it's good that it's there, but thank you for elaborating. So let me ask you this then in terms of this impact, how do you think this impacts people when they have this imposter experience? The impact is is on several different levels. On a personal level, you feel intimidated, yet there's a tension because you you can look at your history and say, okay, well, I got this promotion. I have this title. They must have just given it to me because they were being nice that day. So, okay, so I've got this title. Now, what do I do with it? Now, what do I do with this role? So you feel intimidated and not qualified. So you tend to hold back or you overcompensate by working extra hard, refusing to delegate, explaining away your success as related to an outside set of circumstances instead of internalizing your own contribution to your greatness and your success. That's really very typical. So on a personal level, it affects you there. To an extreme, it can fill you with so much anxiety that then you start to have health problems. You will refrain from taking on new risks, new challenges, changing jobs, putting in for promotions, speaking up in a meeting. And I, you know, I lived that. My background's engineering. I worked for NASA. I was right. terrified to speak up in meetings. Yeah. But then on a systems level in an organization, the best people are not giving their best effort. Mm. And they're not taking the risk or the chance or the opportunity to step into a role that could so well use their skills because they think, oh, I'm not qualified. I don't think I could do the job as well as so-and-so did or could or should. And so from an organization perspective, there's what looks like skill gaps. Yeah. And that causes then people to go look outside an organization. Just which because, of course, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, in your world... Filling a gap inside an organization with an outside person, that's expensive. Yeah, I know. I mean, this means missed opportunities, missed solutions, missed deliverables that organizations aren't achieving just because people are afraid to speak up. And tell us a little bit about what I've read about you being a rocket scientist and how did that impact you? And what was the time that you realized this is impacting me and how did you change that? Yeah, I was a rocket scientist at NASA. I worked in aeronautics propulsion, not rocket propulsion, but it's basically the same. And it just sounds cool to say. (laughs) (laughs) But I worked in a jet engine test facility, actually eventually became the director of the facility. And all the while, every day thought, what am I doing here? They promoted me and hired me because I was a woman. I bet that's why. And that was partly true, but only a small part. The facts were I did have the skills and the background and the personality to be Mm -hmm. in that job. We underestimate our personality and our character qualities far too much. So I lived at NASA for 14. Well, I worked at NASA. (laughs) I'm sure you lived there. Right, right. (laughs) I I felt like I did sometimes for 14 years with that cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 
I left the agency during a time when the government was downsizing and I was, it was just time for me to move on to something else. It wasn't a bad parting. I didn't figure out it was imposter syndrome until years later. And then when I learned about it, I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I know this back then? My trajectory at NASA would have been not just more influential. I would have had so much more fun and peace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As much as I loved the job, I still lived with that anxiety, that burden, that fear of being found as a fraud. So uh, I regret that I didn't learn about it sooner. Right. I know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. right? Sure is. Uh Yeah. So have you seen this in organizations where people are in a sales role or business development role before, where they just feel like they're an imposter for some reason? Yeah. You know, in sales, so often people in sales come from a different background, a different industry or a different role. So even the the transition into sales is scary enough. But but as I mentioned before, imposter syndrome screams the loudest in times of change and transition. Right, right. In addition, sales itself, the results don't lie, right? You either make the sale or you don't. And so it's a it's a way to measure your progress. And it is so easy to do that compare and despair against somebody else. Like, oh, I'm just not getting those big deals or I'm not getting enough deals or I'm not getting a deal today. So it's easy to feel uh, like you don't measure up for sure. I see. Right, right. And so tell me about a time where you've seen someone go through this. What was kind of the arc of their story where they realized they had it? How did they make certain changes and what was the result of that? I was speaking for uh, the city of Las Vegas uh, just about a year ago because I live here in Las Vegas and they hired me to come in and talk to their folks. A woman came up to me at the end of my talk and she said, oh my gosh, I have been putting off, putting in for a promotion. And because of what you said today, I am dusting off my resume and I'm putting in for that promotion. And I was like, woohoo, score. This is great. This is what I'm here for. And then weeks later, she emailed me and said, I put in for it. She goes, I I didn't get it. However, it totally changed my mindset. And I didn't get that job because I found out it wasn't the right job. So now I'm going to try for something else. So yeah, I see people that once they realize for one thing that it's not an illness and it's not a flaw in their character. It's just a mindset shift. Once they make that change, all kinds of opportunities open up. They change. That's interesting. Do you think some people just never realize this? They never identify it. They never build up the courage to try to overcome that. Well, those are actually two separate questions. Okay. You know, about 75 to 80% of the population will admit to having it. The other 10, 15, 20% either truly never have had it. And there are, there is a portion of the population that have never had it. And the other part of the population that don't know that they have it or refuse to admit that they have it. Yes, there's definitely. And then there's also people that are legitimately over impressed with themselves to the point. I mean, it's like, it's like the, um, American Idol auditions. You know? <laughs> really, sir, you you should find another hobby or job. You really don't belong. And what? You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, That's funny. We're not talking about those people that are so overestimating their skills that they really live in another reality. That's interesting. I remember the first time I ever experienced that. It was my first day as a midshipman at the Naval Academy. I was surrounded by 1,500 other Tom Selleck juniors. It was them and me. <laughs> They're smarter, more athletic and stronger and better looking. So I, uh, I kind of found a way to make it work though. <laughs> yeah. And what you do, and you know, the secret there is to just look inside and claim and own and state 
what you truly do bring to the table because everybody does bring something great. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Are there certain strategies that you've seen that people can follow to really solve for this issue? Yeah, you know, you can Google how to overcome imposter syndrome. You'll get a whole boatload of solutions. They actually all say the same thing. And I take a little different twist on it. And I, some of the things are, you, you know, realize you're not alone. Realize that it's not an illness. Take a look at your accomplishments and truly believe it. Be able to verbalize it. Those are all good things to do. But the biggest difference between the strategies that I teach and what you'll find out there is to recognize it really is an internal, almost spiritual and transcendental issue. Oh, interesting. Because it's born from shame. And, you know, none of us, we all feel shame. We all feel like I didn't just do bad. I am bad. Mm -hmm. So I teach people to go really deep into that what are your core beliefs, values, and, and visions? And own that because I'm sure you've heard it said that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, mm-hmm. including the temptation to feel like an imposter. So have you seen certain, I would say, maybe not trends, but common themes with the people that have identified this, they've owned it, they found the reason for it and they've been able to resolve that. Is there any sort of theme that you've seen that's very common to those people that you've worked with or at least observed? Absolutely. They're high achievers. They're high achievers. They are uh, into self uh, improvement, learning, continually improving, growing, achieving, and accomplishing. It's almost as if there's this desperation to, you know, kind of feed an emptiness or fill an emptiness. If I just get another degree, another title, another promotion, another whatever, then I'll be okay. And then you collect all of these and you're like, it still isn't working (laughs) (laughs) because the problem isn't, it's a shame problem, but, and and you, you have to change your thinking about that shame. And sometimes it also has to do with how we define success. Right. We set such high standards for success that we can never, ever meet. Mm. And as I don't want to say lower your standards, but be realistic about what success truly is. So this is all people, I think, that have the external focus. They're too worried about what other people think about them. Yeah. And I've always thought that it really doesn't matter what people think about you, but in some ways it does. I mean, you don't want to be the person that people aren't going to invite to the party because they're, you're going to embarrass them. So, so you do have to have some sort of restraint or some sort of uh, filter when you mm-hmm. say that. How do we find this balance? How do we get to that point where we don't really have to depend on what our significance is, on what other people think of us? I think a lot of times we want people to see us performing well, right? So we really don't embrace a learning curve or stumbling along the way. We want people to see the finished product, right? So that's why we think, oh, what are they going to think of me? I don't know exactly how to do what I'm called to do or have to do. And they're going to think I'm foolish or I'm stupid or I'm unskilled or whatever. We need to embrace a learning curve. We need to give ourselves time to learn, permission to fail and flounder and fall. and bring in people around us that can kind of lift us up, help us, partner with us, advise us, because that's all necessary. We are not meant to run through life in an isolated bubble. We really need the help of others. So let me ask you this. Do you think 
that society, especially since COVID happened, we all went through a tragic, uh, I mean, for some people, it was really tragic more than others, a very tragic, acute experience at the same time and went through that change. Do you think that society kind of softened up to other people because of that? Because I've seen a trend that now it seems that it's kind of in vogue to be more vulnerable and on social media. And I, and some people, I still have mixed feelings about this. Some people will say, you know, I've had my sixth breakup in the last six months. Nobody loves me. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, I've seen things like that and, and that might just be too much. So what do you think? What's your opinion on that? Well, I think I, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but now that you're talking about it, uh, yeah, we've kind of gotten into oversharing in a lot of ways. Right. And I think the thing that pops into my head as most significant and it kind of straddles between the I'm not good enough and I'm going to, you know, just put it all out there. Uh, when I think of how everybody had to go to Zoom, right? Nothing mm-hmm. like having to figure out where that mute button is to make everybody feel stupid. <laughs> and once you figure it out, then you're like, oh, look, my background doesn't look as good as hers. Yeah, or, right, right. What is that in their <laughs> background? And what was that that just. <laughs> so we, we've opened up the window to our lives in a, in a way that kind of makes us feel both welcomed and loved as well as very vulnerable and walking that fine line as that's been tough. Yeah, it has. So in terms of kind of taking this and giving us a systematic way to go forward, if uh, kind of, as we bring things to a close, if we could look at it like this from three action steps, if somebody could take three action steps to get started on this Marine, what would you recommend for them to do? First of all, I would say recognize you're not alone. It's not abnormal to feel like an imposter. So, okay, so get that one off the table. You're okay. Second good, one okay, good, is, good. Second one is to really challenge your thinking. It is a thought process distortion. We let thoughts just take off and run. We need to corral them back. We're so disciplined in so many areas of our life, except challenging our thinking. And when I say challenging our thinking, I mean, challenge the assumptions. For example, so-and-so is so much, so much wealthier than I am. They must have a great life. Wait, hold on. Really? Why do you believe that? Is that really true? What would happen if you chose to believe something different? So challenge your thoughts. And the third thing is to really arm in arm link with other people and just go through life as partnering with other people. You're not an isolated bubble. We need people. It's okay to verbalize and express and ask for help yeah. and offer help. Because, you know, in the, the give and take of help and expertise does beautiful, wonderful things to help silence that I'm not good enough feeling. That's great advice, Maureen. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And tell our listeners, what are the offerings, the things that you do and that you have that you'd like our listeners to know about? I am primarily a keynote speaker. I speak for conferences and uh, private events for associations and corporations. So if you're looking for a meeting, if you're a meeting planner or an executive looking for a fun, interesting, challenging, inspiring keynote, pick me. Yes. <laughs> I've also written a book on the topic. It's called Pushing Your Envelope. You can find it on Amazon. And uh, then thirdly, uh, if you want to learn more about me and my thinking, 
go to my website, maureenz.com. So it's first name, last initial.com. And there you'll find links to my blogs, my other programs, uh, my YouTube videos and all kinds of other cool stuff about me. That's great. We're going to put the links on the show notes. So everybody listening, you can go to the show notes where you hear this podcast and connect with Maureen. We'll put your LinkedIn on there as well than also the Amazon link for your book. And uh, Maureen, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope to have you back on the show in the future. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Scott. It was fun. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.